Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. This is the show all about commercial property investing for the private investor. For those of you who want to create great cash flow, no matter where you are in the world, this is aimed at both individuals just getting started in commercial property and those with a growing portfolio. Through interviews, hard-learned lessons and tips from professional investors, we want to give you a constant source of inspiration and up-to-date information on what has worked and what hasn't worked so you can make more informed decisions about your commercial real estate investments. Welcome to the show, John. John's joined us from uh, Instant Group follow-up to our podcast last week. He's the CMO, funnily enough, the Chief Marketing Officer at Instant Group. So we're going to talk today a little bit about the deal and also just some of the things that Instant do. So John, it's really super to have you so on the show. I really appreciate you finding some time to do this. And in fact, you reached out to me on LinkedIn. I put a post out there about my concerns and, and you really wanted a chance just to chat about the, the merger and what you feel about that. Exactly that. And, and look, it's, it's been a big week for us, but also I think, um, Jerry, you said, you know, where, where are Instant at now and, um, and, and where did I come from? So I joined Instant eight years ago from Knight Frank, the big kind of, should we call it, traditional property company. And even in the eight years I've been in the business, Instant and the sector have changed so much, right? So we, we put out our yearly predictions or we put out our kind of our market forecast and every year it's double digit growth. Even during the pandemic, there was an increase in supply remarkably. Demand ultimately went up, market demand. And so this for us feels like a culmination of, of it for me, for eight years of hard work and where the market's going. What do I mean by that? I think the market is going towards more choice, expansion, and the user, the end user, the client becoming more aware of their options out there. So in putting this move together, we want to provide, ultimately provide our end user clients with more market choice, more availability, and to understand the full potential of every option that's out there. You, know, you, you mentioned that you're in um, some kind of secondary locations in Scotland, but what we're finding is now the more attuned buyer of co-working and flex space, they want secondary locations. They, they want to know where they can go. They want to choose. They want to understand, as I say, that full market potential. That's the client demand we're seeing in the market now. And that's something that's grown a lot in the last eight years. Okay. So I, I'm, it's interesting because we've been dealing with Instant for, I think I'm saying maybe 15 years or something. I can't, I can't even believe we've been going that long. And, you know, in that time for us, the interaction has been um, Instant as a platform providing us with leads and potential customers, which haven't converted in cases, of course, into customers that have stayed with us sometimes for a long time. So it's been a great service from that point of view. But Instant became a lot more than that, even though that was really the element that we were dealing with. I know that Instant also moved on to um, looking after corporate clients and finding bigger spaces and working with that. And you maybe just give us a wee bit of fill out that kind of journey. 
Yeah, so so we we started off as a you know, what was termed as a web broker, as you say, and that part of the business has been going for twenty years now. And actually, my remit within the business is to look after that digital platform, instant instant offices. But what we've really expanded into as well is um, twenty years of market data and information around supply, demand, pricing. We, we've got a commodity there, and we've invested in it. We've looked after our data, made sure it's structured correctly, so we can package it up. And, and use it to inform the market and inform the end user client. Because everyone wants to make informed data choices now. I think a lot of old co-working decisions, shall we say, were based on instinct and, and knowing the market and feeling like something was a good deal. But now it's becoming increasingly competitive. So both operators, investors, and end user clients want to be able to decide what, why they're buying a space based on data. Yeah. So we've invested in data significantly we can now access it more easily. We've cleaned it. We can package it up. It's all anonymized and aggregated, so we can replay it to our corporate clients. And that's particularly important because, say, our biggest clients might be GSK or Amazon or Barclays or Amex in Asia Pac, in fact. And in each instance, they came to us because the conventional market wasn't giving them enough options. So then they tried Flex, and the, the, the real estate teams didn't really understand what they were buying or how they were going to buy it. And they came to us and we presented all the market options to them based on data. And these big corporate guys love that approach. They're not hearing that in the conventional market. So yeah. suddenly we were showing them the full extent of, well, you could take this flex option. You could create your own flex option. You could white label something. And real estate teams increasingly are responding to this because of the, the connotations that go with the, the conventional leased market. Yeah. So, you're, so you've gone from here's a four-person office in Hyde Park or wherever it is to what is it you need? What is, what, or what do you think you need? And let's see if we can provide you with a solution. And it, I'm actually interested, I'm, Lucy's going to come on the show later on, I think next week sometime, and we're going to do a podcast specifically about the data. So, so some of those uh, that are listening to the show that are looking at new areas and thinking, uh, what are the inquiry levels like? What's the data like for this area? Those are the kind of reports that you guys can can do so. I'm going to go into that more with Lucy um, next week. Something we've already arranged, so I'm looking forward to it. But equally, I think have you not also managed space yourselves sometimes? Yes, yeah, so, so yeah, definitely. So, so what a huge element of our business, which has grown over time, is we found that we we supply that market availability to our clients and say, well, this is what we could do for you. But in markets where there wasn't space or availability we ended up going in and, and creating space ourselves for our clients. So we create what we, we call the managed office. So it's a full end-to-end -end solution, as you rightly call it, whereby the, the client asks us, we go from procurement through to design, through to implementation and, and construction, right the way to FM. We do it all end-to-end, -end, but we don't brand it. It's not an instant space. It is totally white label to the client. So even the employees within it, wouldn't know they're in an instant space. As far as they're concerned, it's Amex or it's GSK or Barclays. Okay. And the reason why we did that, though, is because these were like two or 300 desk requirements, sometimes bigger, um, and there wasn't the market supply available. And the best example of that I can give you is of how that process works is um, the big deal we did last year with BP in King's Cross that ended up being a TOG. And we ran our procurement process uh, BP needed a thousand desks for its innovation center, and it, it wasn't in it, but they weren't going to go leastward. So we presented them, I think, TOG, another flex supplier, a managed solution via us. And we presented all on the table, and BP went with TOG and we supported it and we just advised and consulted. 
But the important thing for us was it was the right choice for BP. Todd loved the deal. They're, they're behind it because it's a great yeah, space yeah. for taking the whole, the whole building. But it, it worked. And so that's where we're coming from. It's about the procurement and the solution building. We might deliver it if there's nothing there, but we always go to the flex market as part of that procurement process. Okay, yeah. So like proper entrepreneurs is like, if it's not there, I'm going to find it. There's no such thing as no. <laughs> well, but because, because this is what we would argue, I don't know whether you agree, the conventional office market hasn't done enough of that. It's been very, well, I know this landlord, he's got two or three buildings or she has, you can go here, here and here and you'll sign a lease for this long and it'll be this price. Oh, and by the way, you've got to fit it out. Yeah, oh, and, for sure. And you've, yeah. pay, and you've got to pay the capex up front. And oh, they're, they're, still, they're still playing catch up and we'll do for a bit. Just, yeah. just for the listeners, um, TOG is the office group. If you haven't checked them out, you need to go and have a look at some of the locations. They are fab, really, really nice spaces they, they've developed. And, yeah. and Ollie and Charlie, the, the two founders who still run the business, are leaders in our field. They're, they're very inspirational speakers. So if you see them on a speaking panel have 100%, a listen. yeah yeah I'm, I'm trying to get charlie on the show that's <laughs> <laughs> just man in flex space that one yeah that's it? right Very that's ordinary. right <laughs> anyway so let's just jump onto this deal right okay so what's what's the rationale behind the merger because it's not just a straightforward acquisition let's just take on um somebody that's providing leads for office space as we've just explained there's more to the business but there's also an end game here, isn't there? So what is the rationale, John? Maybe you can talk us through that. Well, the rationale for us is quite simple. We, we, we want to grow. We want to provide market choice. And we want the clients to be able to see the full market. And we looked at how we were going to do that. And we also were in discussions with a number of people. But we knew that IWG had a number of digital assets that were, that were rolled into their business, which have tremendous digital potential. So the accumulated power of their assets with us and our listings content and our data, it just means we can scale. So we can create a truly independent global marketplace that generates a ton of leads, a ton of data, and we just feed it back into the market because we can see, particularly post-pandemic, consumer client demand is increasing all the time. They're going to independent aggregators uh, and they want, as I said, to see choice and to understand what is all the availability out there. So this deal really gives us the choice, the chance to really create that global uh, marketplace and then via hopefully IPO next year to really scale so that we can create something that, that totally reinvents the industry and show for, for all office for all office market. You know, from, from there, if you create a, a, a kind of a, a business that's big enough whereby you have that brand consumer awareness, they'll understand. We can search here to find space all the way around the world. And that will enable that kind of work from anywhere hybrid working approach, truly, whereby if I came to Edinburgh for the day or for a week, I could find your centers to work into the north of the city and I could do so and procure it easily through an app. Quite simple. Yeah. Okay. So just jumping down the road a little bit, and you and obviously if there's questions you can't answer, you just have to say so. But is the intention when that's floated out for that all to be floated out? Is that partly still to be within the IWG group? What's the... To qualify that. So yeah, and you raised this point in your LinkedIn post. So IWG hasn't acquired us. It's invested in us. Ah, okay. They are an investor in our business. We totally retain our independence. We have now have all those digital platforms within our business. And that is is ring-fenced and separate from the rest of the IWG business. So we're we're independent uh, 100% as are all those aggregator sites. 
Yeah, so let's just pick up one that uh, that I'm aware of. Maybe some of our listeners are, which is um, Easy Offices. Yeah, which which was run um, by IWG. That's coming over into the business, isn't it? And I think there's another one, uh, one of the meeting apps. Forgive me, uh, Meet right, Meeting right. Go. Meeting Go, exactly. And right, so they'll they'll be within our, within our domain with our content, and that will offer full market choice. Yeah. Okay. So basically, the the, the front end will remain the same for the customer. The brand will still be there, but the actual engine behind it will have more, exactly. well, just more going on. And the consultants from Easy Offices who currently work the market will be now be part of the instant group consulting on our behalf. Yeah. yeah. Okay. For our, for our clients. I've got a couple of things here that really people have been asking me, and I just want to put, put across just things that maybe concerns people have. And we maybe covered that already, but let's- let me ask you a question. Have you heard of SAS pensions? They're a fantastic tool for business owners to wrap a commercial property up in a tax-free bubble. SaaS can work particularly well with the CMO strategy to generate money both inside and outside of your pension. It goes without saying, I'm not a SaaS expert, but let me introduce you to someone that is. Bryn Walker has been advising on SaaS pensions for many years and has been a long-term supporter of the CPI network. SaaS and commercial property work incredibly well together, but there are many nuances and Bryn will make sure you don't stray from the right path. Look in the show notes for the partner link and book up a SaaS discovery call with Bryn. Just, just jump into those. At the moment, the data um, that we give as operators, so I appreciate, you know, you've got two customers, haven't you, really? There's the main customer, which is the customer for all of us, the person who wants office space, but also there are the locations, right, the operators. And at the moment, those operators give a certain amount of data to the aggregators of spaces available. And of course, over time, you can build up a picture of how that location operates. And if you really want to drill down in the data, it is there. And I appreciate, as you said earlier on, you know, it's about aggregating all that together and looking at a location in general, as in, let's look at Aberdeen or London or whatever geographical location you're going to take and aggregate all the data. But there is data on specific locations. So a concern for some Maybe well now my biggest competitor across the road from me has got access to my data. So what's your thoughts on that? How can you alleviate well, their well, concerns? To be very clear, they, they don't have access to that data. Okay, that we're an independent business. Our TNCs remain with you, for example, and your data and, and maintaining your data sits with us. So IWG can't access that data, and I, I think it's fair to say, and I, I can't speak on their behalf. Nor would they want to. They recognise we're independent. And we, we didn't get to why would IWG do this deal. They recognize that they the, the market needs to have choice and they recognize those digital assets that they were maintaining would do better for the market if they were kind of set free and they offered the full market availability. So in every conversation we've had with them, and, and if you read what Mark Dixon has been saying within the financial press and to the analysts, every time he's spoken about this, this is an independent marketplace. Yeah. So our job is to maintain and look after your data. And to go back to the initial point about how we use that data, when we do give reports back to operators, it's fully anonymized and aggregated. We would never mention names or do specific pricing within that. Okay. Yeah. And so the team team's remaining, and in fact, the team's getting expanded. So yeah. that's, I'm and you can answer this, of course, but I'm assuming that's from the likes of Easy Offices, that team's coming over to work with with your current team and amalgamate with them. And that's the way that the deal's been done. So IWG's staff to do with their locations and everything are staying in their team and Mm -hmm. the others are coming over. Okay. All right. And 
I guess the last bit that's always been niggling in the back of people's minds is just that thing about the space, the leads being distributed fairly <laughs> between competitive locations. But I think we've covered that, maybe, John. Well, but to, to emphasize, and I know I run the risk of sounding like a PR guy here, but the, I, I know how I, I sit next to our, to our brokers at work because I find it really informative to listen to the markets. And, and to offer you, you know, to say your, your listeners, Really buy into this. That, that, that would ne- they, that never happens. They take they take pleasure in showing market choice to their clients. They're paid on commission. They do a better job if they give clients options because that's why users come through our site. They want full market. If they wanted IWG, they go direct that brand. You know, IWG have got a huge lead generation operation. Their marketing is incredible, but the users come through to an aggregator like ours because they want choice. So when our brokers do that, and when they send it to market. They're trying to ensure they generate choice and availability through the market. And of course, you would, you would speculate on that. And you know, having worked at Rightmove a bit, I can understand state agents say the similar things to Rightmove. But our process is about doing the right thing by the end user client, because then we'll retain their business, we'll generate more money for ourselves and for the sector ultimately. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. John, just, just give us a, an idea, just for the listeners. This is a big scale. Yeah. For you know, what what is the the, the Amalgamated business is going to be 500 staff? 500 staff, yeah, globally. Yep. And what's the current turnover of the business before the merger? I, I can't I can't go into those specifics. Oh, uh, yes. Sorry, yeah. it's a private business still. Still, still private it's business. It's a private business. Yeah, yeah. Um, but from a from a lead generation point of view, we're, we're, if I haven't quadrupled leads by the summer, I'm in trouble, to put it that way. <laughs> so uh, um, we're, it, it's game on to produce as many leads. And look, the, the, one of the ultimate benefits for us, but this is also part of the IWG's gambit, is by creating a powerful independent marketplace, we should eat into the total addressable office market. So we want to start getting more leads from conventional space and distributing them into Flex because, you know, still as a proportion of the total market, what Flex is 6% of total office yep. in the UK. In other countries, it's lower. In the US, it's less than 1% of the total yeah, office market. Which is mad. Yeah. Which is mad despite the fact that we seem to generate all the headlines, et cetera, et cetera. So again, my job within the marketing is to eat into that conventional office demand, making sure end users are aware of their options and that they can buy flex more easily. And again, if I haven't done that in two years and we haven't done it by the IPO, I haven't done my job. Right, fantastic. Right, well, thanks for filling us in on all that information, John, on what's going on with that. And hopefully that settled some people's nerves. Um, While I've got you though, maybe we could just talk about leads at the moment and where the market is over the last sort of 12 months. Obviously, during pandemic, um, there was a, certainly a pause on what was going on, at least that's my assumption in, in most locations. Can you just maybe bring us up to date with how things have progressed over the last 12 months? Well, progressed is one way of putting it. I'd say it's more akin to being an Everton fan like I am. It's been up and down. Like It's, <laughs> yeah. it's been emotional. I, you know, we saw a collapse in the market in 2020, as I'm sure um, you, you all did. But then it came back with a robustness that surprised us, yeah. to be honest. But, but it, the robustness seems to have been in the regions, in suburban locations, places London struggled and is still not quite there, but it's really getting close now, actually. London demand is, is pretty good. Um, but suburban and regional demand for flex space in the UK has been at levels, probably trading at levels we haven't really seen before. And it's retained that throughout. So what, since late Q3 2020? Yeah. We've seen that starting to grow and creep back. So we're, we're quietly confident um, for all those locations 
and, and you're know, very confident about the, the the number of businesses that want to flip from leases to flex. Yeah, so and that takes time, doesn't it? That's it. And that's going to take time because for that corporate lease demand, you've got to wait for leases to unwind before they can make that call and for us to see more of that demand. And But look, I'm trying to be objective for you because it's important to you and your listeners, but the demand levels look good, very, very good, considering where we've been. Yeah. I, I, what I hope now is that it builds and we start to get to levels that out, outdo you know, 2020 um, performance. Because um, the end of 2019 was bubbly as well. That When I really felt the market was at a peak, and then obviously the pandemic hit and we saw a completely different market move. But um, you know, talking to you and, and your locations, I would feel very optimistic for the future because demand in those kind of markets has looked strong to us and has done for a while now. Yeah, I, I mean, we're only a small business, but anecdotally for us, there has been that up and down during the process. And partly, I think, down to just government announcements and different yeah. and stages and that we've gone through, yeah. right? Yeah. And you and you get things going and then maybe something just takes the wind out of the sails a little bit of the of the customer base. But what's been interesting is we've not we've not really had lots of customers leave. We've just had the normal churn. But during the really sort of dark appears, we didn't have new customers to backfill. But yeah. as soon as that confidence came back, those spaces got filled back up again. So it's not necessarily an overall lack of confidence. It's just that when things become a little bit uncertain, people just don't make decisions. They just sit on their hands and wait. All right. And I can advocate that from how we see the market and how we hear from other operators, that is 100% the case. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. And I've always said this to, to journalists who don't really believe me that this flex market is so responsive to business sentiment. The minute there's a macro announcement or you know, we see another shocking pronouncement around the Ukraine, even that can have an yep. impact. Because businesses just freeze for a second and pause and think, right. And that's the nature of our market, isn't it? It's an on-demand market. It is. It is. What I've always found interesting, of course, is people think, particularly if they're more used to traditional leases, that our market, when something does come along that upsets the general macroeconomic conditions, everybody will leave because they're on a flexible lease and you, or a license and you're stuffed. But actually, I've found the contrary. Yes, you might lose some people, but as soon as confidence or things change, or even when they don't, the flex market does better because the very nature of what it is, is flexible market. So people have the ability to move and maneuver quickly, whereas if they go back into a traditional lease, they really struggle. So what will be interesting is as we come out of the current situation, when those leases come up, is how many of them do make that change to flex, but not only that, how many of them stay in flex? Because yeah. you know it, it's not just uh, one glove fits all now. There's the, a lot of people are going for more of a hybrid, aren't they? There's maybe a core that's fixed. And, and look, I, firstly, I completely agree with your your kind of prognosis on things. But secondly, yeah, you know, the, the corporate clients we do speak to, we, we do research with them too, you know, and qualitative research where we ask them a lot of questions around their future strategy. And they're all saying with pretty much uniform agreement that rather than shrink their portfolios, they're seeing flexes making up 30 to 40% of their portfolios in the future. And, and they probably would say it's less than 10% now. Yeah. So they are going to be more reliant upon the types of space that we all provide that will be happening. And we're also seeing SMEs and scale-ups really recognize the need for the office and for flex within what they're trying to do. They don't need the, the office as much as they do. They certainly don't need as much space, but they need options. Yeah. You know, having announced our move to the market and seen the way analysts have reacted and the way that the stock markets reacted, they see you know they they've got that macroeconomic lens to them, and they see a very strong future for what we're trying to do. Yeah. 
Fantastic. John, it's been real, um, really interesting to talk to you. Thanks for um, also giving us a wee bit of an update as how the market is. <laughs> always good. Always good. And I just wish you the very best of luck with the merger. And I hope that, um, you know, over the next few weeks, we'll get a bit more information and start to see some of those changes for our side as customers. And, and do have me on any time to give you an update. Or if you want a market sentiment analysis, invite Lucy or I on. We'd always be up for a chat to tell you how we're seeing things from a demand perspective, for sure. That's fantastic. Great. Thank you, John. Appreciate okay. it. Have a good weekend. There we go then. We heard it direct from CMO John Williams. It's difficult to quite work out whether it's a merger or an acquisition as positioned by IWG in their press releases or whether it's more of an investment as John discussed. Perhaps that's just semantics anyway, and it's hard to fit what they're doing into a neat silo. Whatever the process, the organisation that comes out the other end will undoubtedly have a huge amount of data on the flexible space market that could be invaluable to operators and investors who are seeking to develop new sites. So I'm really looking forward to chatting with Lucy about that later on this month to learn how we can access that data. There will, of course, be more developments within the industry. And in fact, since we recorded this interview, TOG, the office group, who I mentioned in the podcast, and Fora have just announced a merger, creating a business with 72 prime design and hospitality-led locations. These guys are really at the leading edge of premier flexible workspace. Their locations are inspiring places to work and spend time in. If you get a chance, go and have a look around. They are fabulous spaces. If you want me to cover a specific topic on future episodes or interview someone who can bring value to our listeners, then please just get in touch via my details in the show notes. Don't forget, if you want to hear more episodes like this one, just go onto your podcast platform and click subscribe so you don't miss another one. And you don't want to miss out, as we have some great interviews lined up over the coming weeks. It just remains for me to say, if you're getting started or you've run out of steam a little, then there's nothing quite like getting out there and getting into the commercial swim. Have a great week. enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be your first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.